With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I, I got a third kid on the way. I do not have time to be like, let's, let's add YouTube. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for this Thursday. Obviously, no picks pod this week. There's only one game on the docket, Army-Navy. And not that I am unpatriotic or don't love the troops, but it's not a Big 12 game. We're not going to be picking that game. We will do bowl picks. That will be next week with Daniel and Chris. They will be here to wrap up our picks episodes uh, football-wise for the week. Uh, But that will be next week. Today... I, I really didn't have a great idea as to what to do today. I'm like, I got a thousand things that I would just love to talk about for football. And, and we're going to try and do a, a, a 10, 12 network round table with people from the network to kind of wrap things up. But I just kind of wanted to do not a mailbag, but like a, let's just do a, a, a big 12 into the regular season, like brain dump. And I couldn't think of a better person to get on the show for, uh, I don't want to call it a, a hodgy-podgy kind of episode, but it feels a little bit right. Uh, then our good friend Ari Temkin, uh, who you can hear on Sirius XM Radio uh, covering the Big 12. Uh, Ari, welcome back to the show, man. Appreciate you having me, Philip. I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, it's been too long, so thanks for uh, for asking. Oh, always. I really enjoyed the uh, the two free weeks of Sirius XM Radio I got to use to uh, to hear the show. Um, the, the free trial is over, so I'm back to not listening because I am a poor's. Uh, with two kids so and, and if i add another if there's another like random small subscription thing that shows up in our account that my wife checks on a regular uh, she might murder me and not even like in my sleep like just walk up to me with a knife and just be like that's what you get see that's your problem is i handle all of the bill paying in my role in my marriage mm. so i get no second guessing of any of the bills it's fantastic my wife's smart enough if i came in and was like hey you know what honey let me handle the finances from now on. She'd be like, no. <laughs> Plus, then she would lose the ability to just like buy things on Amazon and me not know about it. So if she doesn't want to lose that power. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I, at this point, I'm just like, eh. I'll I'm see. a little I, concerned I sneak a couple one I, like one a year. So just see what I can get away with. I'm concerned though with that if I die, I shouldn't say if, when I die, if it's like, you know, not before I'm like 90, that my wife's going to be in big trouble to pay bills. So. If you're out there listening and I have some weird end of my life, help my wife. <laughs> um, take that however you guys want it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So like I said, we got uh, some things to talk about here. Obviously, the, the regular season is over. The Big 12 champion has been crowned. 17 preparing for their bowl games that are all later this month and into January. But I'm just going to kind of do a brain dump here because you you talk and cover about the Big 12 on Sirius XM College Radio and Big 12 Radio every day. Um, you guys do a great job. You also do some stuff for uh, Orange Blood uh, and, of course, cover the Dallas Cowboys. So let me – and Ari, a, a Kansas fan, let me start there. 
Ari, because I, I I imagine you've at least got to feel like like our, my friend Andy, our co-host, the host of our our Kansas podcast, the the Rock Chat podcast. You know, he he's pretty optimistic about about the Kansas football program after this season, and it, and it it feels like there's reason to. I, I know I was talking to to Parker. Uh, I'm just gonna name drop left, right, and sideways. Uh, Good old at stats of war about how, or maybe it was Keegan. I don't know. One of the people I talked to on the regular. I'm swear I'm not just name dropping. I'm just I'm trying to like process things the way that I told you this is a brain dump. So get ready for it, people. Um, like Kansas statistically on defense, like kind of regressed from last year. And in fact, you could argue that Kansas less miles season in 2019 was actually a better team than this one was. But my my counter to that would be like I don't care about season long data. I care about what do the numbers show in week one versus what do the shut numbers show at the end of the season? And my eyeballs, and I hate eye test. I think it's obnoxious and annoying and just the way like overly egotistical people are like, I'm right because my eyeballs tells me. Um, my eyeballs do tell me Kansas got better from week one to the end of the season under Lance Leipold, which would make sense because of how late he got in and how much work they had to do in season just to get this team to where they wanted it to be. Yeah, I mean, let's just start with Yes, I'm extremely optimistic, and it's been difficult to be optimistic about this football program for quite some time. Um, I, I had a saying for a while now that was basically until further notice, never, ever, 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 ever pick Kansas to cover, ever, never, ever, ever. And until further notice has happened because Kansas covered some spreads on the stretch of the season. The reason for optimism is – I mean, it's Jalen Daniels, you know, we saw flashes of it last year as a true freshman, 17 year old, you know, I, I spoke with some people at, at KU and basically they were trying to give, they were trying to give him this year to learn, you know, he had so much coming at him in year one at 17 years old that they didn't want to, you know, go through all that again. They just sit on the side, watch, observe, learn, don't, you know, don't be thrown to the wolves. And I think it was the right approach. And I honestly think it couldn't have ended any better because you start to build now, forget the red shirt thing. Now you get to now build on some of the successes that he had. Um, this was a, you know, in watching the Texas game, the win wasn't a fluke and you could tell like, this is a credible offense. Now with a quarterback that has some semblance of an idea of what he's doing and some weapons and some things that are really working here. So yeah, I mean, look, Kenny Logan is a really good player. He's probably the best player on their team, and they're going to lose him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there is no question that that we should have been excited about uh, Lance Leipold's hire, his history of building programs. And, you know, look, they're finally, you know, it's also not a coincidence that they're finally now getting back to the scholarship limit that they've, you know, for years and years tried to get back to. They've been short 20, 30 scholarships over the last decade. So that, that obviously hurts and credit less miles for doing that too. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't a complete and utter disaster uh, with less miles though. Uh, his boss was maybe the worst <laughs> tenure of any athletic director of the power five ever. Of course, the former Arkansas Razorback AD Jeff long, uh, just the worst. He's the worst, but um, no, I'm, I'm extremely optimistic does this mean that they're, you know, a six win team next year? No, no. But like, I just wanted to get to a point where I can watch that team play for four quarters and watch a competitive football game. And that was what I saw the final three games of the season. 
Uh, obviously, recruiting is is the name of the game. Uh, their 2022 class so far, uh, not super impressive. I mean, they only have seven commits, uh, which you know, less. I said when Les got hired, I'll keep saying it. Les was only Les was hired to rebuild the roster and upgrade the talent, not to turn Kansas into like a amazing football team. He was he was the guy before the guy, uh, and he just didn't last as long because you know he turns out he was a terrible person, uh, which we probably should have known. But when your boss is a terrible person, he you know whatever. Anyways, um, fair point. So so my my one concern for for Kansas right now is can Lance and the staff keep that not not take a step backwards as far as the roster building that has gone on um i think that's going to be a big the biggest piece right now is we we can see that they that there is a uh, something going on in lawrence that is working can they can the recruiting meet up with that and i, I think that's going to be a big question i mean that's that's gonna be a topic we're gonna talk about a lot here today is recruiting because of staffs and turnovers and things that are going on in other schools but i mean for Kansas, like you can't go back to being short fifteen scholarship players on this roster and playing guys that have no business starting for a power five school again. Well, and and this is where I think that Kansas could be at a major advantage here because you've got a lot of programs playing the transfer portal game right now. And so you sort of have to balance, you know, your scholarship numbers with okay, how many can we get in the portal versus how many commitments can we get at the high school level? If you're Kansas, you're probably entirely building your team still through through high school recruiting. So you're going to get kids that are going to fall through the cracks here uh, because they got lost in a numbers game. I mean, there there are hundreds of kids going into the transfer portal every day at big time positions too. So I, I just I think you know you kind of have all these different college football programs fighting over these kids right now in the portal, and they're you know, they're neglecting the high school recruiting. So, I mean, they suddenly get four and five star kids. No, but they're going to get some kids that fall through the cracks because they're a low three star or whatever. And, you know, and, and they just got lost in the numbers game at another school that they thought they were going to go to, but look, we, I, I feel like the end of the season sort of skewed some of the, you know, perceptions of this rebuild at Kansas, like make no mistake about it. This is still a, long-term rebuild that you're going to have to show some proof of concept here. And I think certainly they, they finished the season like that. And look, if you have a good quarterback that makes up for a lot of different things uh, and issues. So, you know, just, just continue to be competitive, maybe win a couple more football games next year and recruiting will start to take care of itself. The college football season is almost over. We just have bowl games left, but there's plenty of sports going on. NHL and NBA are going strong. So that means there's still plenty of opportunity to hop on with Symbol, the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time the team that you own shares of win, you earn cash. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have already started to invest in their favorite teams and the sports that they love. So here's what you want to do. Go to Symbol.com, S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com, and create a free account. Poke around. Take a look. You know, check it out and figure it out if it's for you. I think I think it will be, but take a look. When you make your first deposit, make sure to use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, for a money-back guarantee. Okay, Symbol is offering a money-back guarantee to all the listeners of our show and every show in our network. 
That money back guarantee means that even if you lose money in the first 90 days, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked, up to $500. Let me me just say that again. You poke around, you play, you make your first deposit up to $500, you lose money, it's not for you, you decide that you don't want to do it anymore, no worries. Within the first 90 days, Symbol will refund that initial deposit every penny, no questions asked. So use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 at Symbol.com. For a money-back guarantee, it's a risk-free way to start playing. So join Symbol, start investing and profiting from your favorite teams today. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. So this kind of leads me into uh, another topic I wanted to get to today. You know, for for Leifold, it's hard to call this year one. This is what I think most people who use the term year zero would view as a a year zero. You're coming in very, very late on the back end. You're not even getting a full offseason to prepare this team. You're at a position with a school where, you know, it, it's it's hard to judge this season. Like, if this had been a winless year, unless they looked like they went backwards by the end of the season, like, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those years you don't want to put too much credence into. Even though they had success, like, I still don't want to, like, suddenly change the timeline of expectation for Kansas on where they should be just because of they beat Texas and had a nice end of the year. But it led to a discussion I, I had noticed on, on on Twitter because our good friend Keegan Renault and Shahan was talking about it, about the definition of year zero. What is what is a true year zero versus like what is a year one? And I, so I'm, I'm curious for you, like what is your definition of, of a year zero or do you just think that's a silly term and everyone starts at year one at the same place and moves forward? Yeah, I think it's kind of silly because it's a built-in excuse for why things went wrong or didn't go right. Or, you know, I mean, like, did anybody talk about last year being a year zero for Mel Tucker? <laughs> you know, I mean, you can make the same case for people that are successful, you know, that hit the ground running and there's reasons for their success. And, you know, I mean, I get it. If you're the, the big issue, and this is why the year zero thing came about is, We've now hit a point. This is what December eighth. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got um, a week, December fifteenth, for the early signing period, National Signing Day, which is the signing day now. Yes, it's not February anymore. Yeah, now we, it's we December. We should call it the early. We should call it the signing period and the right. late signing period. <laughs> I mean, pretty much right. Exactly. Yeah. So we we've now like all the coaches have now been hired, but like just recently over the last few weeks. So that means that all these coaches that have just been hired and every year it's the same thing. Coaches are going to get fired and hired right around this time. It means that they're always going to have a week, two weeks, three weeks to salvage the class. So that's the reason for the year zero. But the thing is, it's like every coach in perpetuity now gets that. So what, so now it's like, we've just, it should still be year one. We've just now called it year zero but it's the same thing. <laughs> I think year zero should be reserved for special circumstances. Lance Leipold not even getting hired until after spring football. That's a year, year zero. zero. 
Jeff Collins going to Georgia Tech and going from triple option to spread is having completely converted an entire roster to a new system is a year zero. Like Did I think we even have to zero. classify it. Can't we just characterize it that way? Be like, you know, Lance Leipold I, was year one for them was when he was hired after the spring game. That's a, that's not the right time to be hired. I think player. the pro, I think it's so you can differentiate between like it's you need some sort of way to a term to define the difference between that and year one for Texas as opposed to having to go in and be like, well, let me explain the difference between year one for Lance Leipold and what year one for Steve Sarkeesian was supposed to be based off of expectations versus what it ended up being. Um, which is like the question I had, I had sent to you is, do you? I don't think Sark deserves a year zero. No, I don't think that's how it works. Um, I think, and we're gonna put, again, we're brain dumping today. It's really interesting because I'm really curious what happens at Texas next. And I know Texas is leaving for the SEC and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Because <laughs> the door I, think, I think when Texas hired Sark, they didn't view this as a rebuild. No. They viewed they this as a, hey, it's ready to go. We just have the wrong coaching staff. We need to bring in a new coaching staff that will take this already amazing roster and come out of the gates hot. Because I'm not sure if you tell me rebuild that Sarkeesian is the guy I would even remotely put anywhere near the list of candidates for the head coach of that job. And that's not a shot at Sarkeesian. It's just, I don't, I, he's not the guy I look at and go rebuild. I know that's basically what he did at Washington, but they had some success while he was there in the rebuild. But it's not like he like turned it around into some massive, amazing thing at Washington. Like just, They just got slightly better. I, for Texas, like, if you had any questions about whether this was going to work or not, my my issue at this point now with Sark is still like the staff he's got there is amazing. I don't think the team is in the same situation we thought it was coming into the year and now moving into the next few years. So let me start by saying I'm a firm believer that every coach in college football should get at least four years. Okay. If you hire and fire a coach within four years, then the person that hired that coach should be fired themselves. You need to give them at least four years, at least in the case of Lance Leipold six. Okay. Oh, yeah. Six, mm-hmm. two to just catch up. <laughs> you get two I, to just catch up. I've said he's got till year five for me to be like, ah, oh, they got to a bowl or they were just, they couldn't get that last win to get there. Yep. So, okay. So let's go back to Sark there. So, so with that being, so on the year zero stuff, like, I don't care how we classify it. Every coach should get at least four years. If not, then the person that hired that person hired the wrong person. And then that person should be held accountable for it. Um, yeah. I've talked a lot about this, but when Sark was hired, the feeling was when Tom Herman was fired, this was a really successful team that sold itself as, Hey, Tom Herman may have had a really good record at Texas, but it's good. It's not great. Sark brings us from good to great. And so that was the, that was the narrative that this team could still be good because they had talent. They won a bunch of games last year. They've won a bunch of games over the course of Tom Herman's time at Texas. This will be a breeze. And so maybe at that point, there were really some deep rooted issues that got uncovered that shouldn't be on the docket of Steve Sarkeesian. Okay. There's probably some truth to that. It's, it's blaming the current president for things that were done by the former administration. Yes. Yeah. But even, even, and Texas is a great analog for this because 
like when it comes to the presidential stuff, that's stuff that happens in the world is like from 10, 15, you know, like the, yeah, it's not even the previous president, it's probably like three presidents before them. And that's sort of the case with Texas too, where it's like, this is, this has been the same thing. I covered the Longhorns in Austin in 2010. It's the same thing. It's the same deal. I was there at the end of Mac and the beginning of Charlie and then Tom Herman and now Sar. It's the same thing. So it's a great and easy cop-out for CDC and for Sark to basically be like, as Sark went to his Monday press conference weeks and weeks ago and says, hey, we this is a full rebuild. We looked under the hood and there's a new engine that needs to be. And like, that's, that's great. And I'll buy you a couple of years. And, I, you know, by all means, you get four years. That's, that's my thing. You, you can't hire and fire a guy within, 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 you know, four years. But like this, there was a major issue this year with Texas and buy-in. Okay. At Orange Bloods, we've got good relationships with a lot of football players through NIL deals. And we do interviews with these guys weekly. And like, we got a few of these guys to be like, yeah, there are a lot of people that don't, don't care on this roster. Okay. Like one of guys said, if you're worthy, said in an interview before he ended the NIL relationship that we had with him, which was fine. Um, you can't force guys to care. Okay. That is bad. That is on Sark. I, I don't understand how we can completely divorce the head coach from that. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. Like maybe there are issues here that are removed from you. But not all of them. You don't get a free pass for that. That That's coaching. Getting buy-in is coaching. Whether you recruited these kids or not, you're Texas. Okay, you've got to make it work with these kids. So now they're going to do a full re- turnover. They're going to they're gonna have 30 new football players in the roster next year. At least. They're, they're going to – a lot of guys – are being forced out through the, through the transfer portal. If they don't know it yet, they will soon. <laughs> they're going to be heavy players in the transfer portal. There's, it looks like they're going to end up with Quinn Ewers. If they don't, Texas Tech will. But I do think the Texas will end up with him. And, and I mean, a lot of other – they're going to rebuild their roster through the portal. And they're probably going to end up with a pretty decent recruiting class too because of Lincoln Riley leaving for Oklahoma. They're going to end up with some of the scraps from that, plus LSU. Like some of these coaching changes have worked out really well for Texas. They get uh, Kobe McKenzie, who had been committed to Oklahoma for like three years, who ended up commits to, committing to Texas now because of the Lincoln Riley thing. So now you don't get that excuse anymore uh, if you're Sark, you know. And and these are some of the issues that many people felt were with Sark when he took this job. So it's like we asked ourselves the question of is Sark a good coach because he hasn't really showed himself to be yet in his career as a head coach. And I, I don't have any clear answer to that question after one year with him. And I, I absolutely just, it, as you can probably tell from how I answered this question, like it just bothers the hell out of me that it's like, yeah, this roster doesn't care and these guys don't care and there's no buying. It's like, that's on the coach. That is not just like, a, these are the previous people's problems. Like that's not, that is not a good coach. So you know who do has buy-in or does have buy-in? Do's have buy-in. Man, <laughs> grammar, not my thing. That's okay. You know who does have buy-in? Homeville Apparel. 
home of the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere and a proud sponsor of the 1012 network and 1012 podcast within said network i guess we're just the only 1012 podcast i'm on a roll i'm just gonna keep going i told you it's brain dump episode people that's what i'm gonna call this just it's big 12 brain dump um, home field apparel they care they care as much about college sports as you do absolutely oh they care more sometimes especially if it's indiana those poor guys uh they of course have texas texas tech west virginia oklahoma state i would say a Baylor available as well as future pick 12 schools well all of them now because they just added that amazing cincinnati shirt in uh, in honor of them reaching the playoff and they'll obviously have a full cincinnati lineup coming sometime in the future along with the tcu one that we have been promised but have not seen yet if you want to be rocking, oh, and they showed the Michigan uh, joggers. Those are fine. I need to see the two-lane ones, and it better be the green wave. It better be the green wave, and I need a pair of green wave joggers for Christmas. I've uh, never, you... ever thought about owning a pair of any clothing outside, like that's apparel for a, a university other than Kansas, but I, I'll tell you, I, there are like Tulane stuff, like so much of this stuff. I'm like, I kind of want to buy that, even though I, I don't know. care about I know. that school. <laughs> Weird. So, uh, if you are like everybody else who finds things for schools you never thought you might be interested in on Home Field Apparel that you want to wear because it's both awesome and super comfortable, use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, and get 15% off your first order. All orders of $100 or more get free shipping. And of course, promo code is NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this basketball season and bowl season if you're quick about it maybe it'll get here in time for your bowl game welcome one welcome all and yes i want you to listen to the tortillas and takes podcast presented by 1012 network if you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins going to the national championships every year that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had well then you're probably not a texas tech fan however if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. All right, sticking with the coaching side of things um, and expectations for their first year, Brent Venables, uh, one of three new head coaches in the Big 12 this year, uh, heading into 2022. Uh, his his staff still coming together. Uh, I don't really want to get into the Jeff Levy stuff uh, other than um, gross. But uh, by the way, people, if you don't understand the Jeff Levy stuff, it's not just that he was at Baylor. Do you know who made the CA, hashtag CAB shirts and was the first one to wear them on the sidelines in support of Art Bryles? It was Jeff Levy. So that's the guy now running the offense at the University of Oklahoma for uh, Brent Venables. Anyways, moving on. Yeah, he's married to Art Browse's daughter. Yeah. Yeah. You've literally bought into the family that, it, look, you can't help who you love sometimes. Um, but that doesn't mean, whatever. Uh, what should realistic expectations for this, for OU and Brent Venables be in year one in Norman? With, I mean, we've already seen most of their, so many of their uh, commits for 2022 and 23 decommit and move on elsewhere. Uh, Spencer Rattler is gone. Caleb Williams has not announced if he's staying or not yet. So we'll see what happens there. I think that is a, a big part of what the expectations for next season will be for Oklahoma. But I mean, what should realistic expectations for Oklahoma in year one be? 10 wins, because that's the expectations for Oklahoma every year, because it's Oklahoma. Um at this point, I'm not even entirely sure 
who is and is not on the roster. You know, there, there's so much news in terms of the portal and who's leaving, who's not leaving, um, decommits. So uh, it almost is like, let me see when the dust settles, what this thing's look like, what this thing's look thing looks like. If, if Caleb Williams is back, then first of all, he's awesome. And I have a ton of respect for him. Mm-hmm. And second of all, um, then yeah, they, there's no reason that they shouldn't have 10 win expectations, quite frankly. Because, yeah, I mean, it, it starts the quarterback position. Um, Jeff Lebby may be a miserable human being, but he is a good offensive football coach and offensive mind. And so the combination of those two things, coupled with, you know, I'm, I'm, I do like the Venables hire a lot. And, um, you know, I, I especially like it because it, to me, seems a lot like the Dave Aranda hire. Longtime defensive assistant, has learned under really good head coaches. Um, so yeah, I, I think 10 wins is perfectly reasonable because it's Oklahoma and that's like, you have to win 10 games. I think you're going to have a lot of holdover on the staff as well. Like you had with, with Bob to Lincoln, because it's a guy who's connected to Oklahoma. I think some of these assistants were there when he was like, like Kale Gundy is like the one Kale Gundy's going to have a longer career than the last at Oklahoma than the last three head coaches uh, probably all did at Oklahoma, which is crazy to think of. But I mean, I think that it, it's not a full Bob to Lincoln, but I do think there is enough connection there that you shouldn't, it shouldn't be rebuilt. This isn't going to be a, a completely brand new from scratch coaching staff. There's going to be enough holdover to help keep a lot of the players there that I, I do think he's not going to, you don't, you don't get to be like, oh, I'm sorry. We had a seven and five year in year one. Like that would be a bad thing. I think it ain't win season for like the expectations. And you've only got maybe one more year before you're off to the sec. You can't see a big dip before you head into to that conference and, and then be like, oh, it's okay. We're going to rebound in year one in the sec. Obviously don't know when OU is leaving for sure yet, but we all think it'll be after 2022 season. Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely think it'll be after. So yeah, I mean, that puts even more pressure on Sark and Brent Venables to, you know, to put up successful seasons this year. Otherwise there's a ton of uncertainty heading into the lion's den, you know, so good luck. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, if I'll just say it this way, the big 12 would love to see not necessarily a rematch of the big 12 championship game, but a big 12 championship game in 2022, that does not include Texas and Oklahoma. Again. And um, yeah, that would be a disaster for Oklahoma. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so let's let's keep with the coaching staff changes. Uh, TCU and Texas Tech both have brand new head coaches. We have rebuilding brand new staffs from scratch. Um, I think at this point, Texas Tech's staff, uh, Coach Joey McGuire's staff is done. Uh, and at last check, TCU is, I think, one assistant away from getting that staff filled out. And look, I, I both, both McGuire and Dykes have done a really good job. There's a lot of Texas connections with these assistants. There's a lot of guys who do a really good job for recruiting. There's a lot of emphasis on recruiting and recruiting in the state of Texas. Um, I don't know how much time you've had to really go, kind of break everything down. Well, let's, let's do this. Joey McGuire, the staff is down on offense. Zach Kitley, uh, OC, coming in from Western Kentucky. Uh, DeAndre Smith, Emmett Jones, Josh Cochran, and Stephen Hanvey round out the offensive side. Defensive side, to, to, it was today we found out uh, Oregon defensive coordinator Tim DeRuiter is going to be taking over as D.C. Uh, Zarnell Fitch is the one coming from TCU, the defensive line coach. Uh, they also have Josh Bookbinder and Marcel Yates. And then Kenny Perry will be the special teams coach there. Uh, Texas Tech said they're going to put together a, a good assistant pool for McGuire. And I think he's spent it pretty well with what he's put together. 
Dykes brought pretty much everybody from SMU on the offensive side of the ball. Garrett Riley, uh, Gillespie, of course, uh, Rashad Samples, which was the like, if you're coming and he doesn't come, you don't need to come kind of higher. Uh, and then defense. I really like the Gillespie hire pulling T- Tulsa's defensive coordinator. T- of course, hey, like Tulsa's defense has given SMU fits for the past few years. The Gillespie's in charge. If you can't beat him, hire him and bring him with you because I think he's done a great job. They've brought Tulsa's D- uh, DB coach as well. You know, looking at these two staffs, they're very different but very similar. Um, it, I don't want to grade coaching hires because I'm I. To steal Danny Cannell's bid, all first all coaching hires should just be given a C plus until like year three because you don't know. None of us know. We all everyone thought Tom Herman was a home run hire and he was gone. Like we don't know. We we do, people didn't like the Sam Pittman hires. Like what are you doing hiring up? And look what look at the hell of a job that he has done in Arkansas. That's damn impressive. I live in this state. It's a he's done a dang good job and the whole state's bought in. Um, but but just kind of looking at both coaching staffs as as a whole because I think that that all plays into it as much as who the head coach is. Like, what are like how 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 good a job do you think both have done, and maybe who do you think has has put together the better staff overall? I'm and I'm with you. I it's like um, grading an NFL draft. You know, it's <laughs> like it's a fool's errand. You know, basically, if you liked a guy in the draft. And, you know, a team drafts that player and multiple players that you liked, then they had a good draft. If there are players you didn't like at the draft and a team drafts guys you didn't like, they had a bad draft. Same here. Like with coaching candidates, you don't know. Um, nobody knows. Um, I, I, I guess I'd lean more towards tech, but, but this is, again, I just really liked the Joey McGuire hire. So, you know, I was big on Joey McGuire. I thought that he should have been hired. I mean, I, I said from the start, he was a guy that I would hire because he just seemed like Jeff trailer only, you know, maybe a better version of Jeff trailer, more of a, you know, buying early Jeff trailer, you know um, I don't know if you mentioned Emmett Jones is on his staff too. the, the former yes. Kansas wide receiver coach is, uh, has come over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a yes. big time hire for Texas tech. I mean, it's a former Dallas high school football coach. He was the interim head coach for Kansas. And there were a lot of people pushing for him to get that job. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm glad he didn't, but he was retained and stay on staff last year. He's a hell of a recruiter. Another, I mean, there are just a lot of Texas high school football guys associated with this Texas tech program right now. And Emmett Jones is one of them. Um, I mean, you want to talk about Dallas area, high school football. It's to me, some of the best in the state. Um, obviously Houston would argue the opposite, but they've got now Joy McGuire, who's a legend in the Dallas high school football area and Emmett Jones, who is as well. So that's a good one-two combination in terms of recruiting. Um, I, I love the Zach Hitley hire. I think it's just talk about a cultural fit. Mm-hmm. He obviously grew up in Lubbock, and his dad is a legendary track and field coach at, at, at Tech. Wes Hitley, um, you know, he's a guy that that Bailey Zappi um, followed from Houston Baptist, Western Kentucky. You know, th- this is just this is the Texas Tech offense. This is the lifeblood that they've run for years under Cliff and and Mike Leach before. And, and so it, it just, it harkens back to that. I think it's the perfect cultural fit offensively. Um, and then I think, I think he's a big reason why they even have a shot at yours. And Mahomes was pushing for him to get the OC job last year. And he's the guy I thought they should have hired last year when he went to Western Kentucky. And now they got him this time. And yeah, you're right. He is, he is the Cliff Kingsbury offense. That is what they are going to go back to. And you know what? 
if, if that's what you think works best in, in Lubbock, then do it. If that's yeah, what you need to do to get the kinds of players you want to get, then do it. It's funny because I kind of, number one, I'm happy that Sonny Cumbie got a head coaching job. I'm also happy because I it's hard not to mix up Sonny Cumbie and Sonny Dykes because they're both Sonnies and <laughs> they both have, you know, dads that are very famous coach like it's just i've always i've just struggled with that i understand that they're two different people and that they're very different but it's just i'm really glad that sonny cumby is not in the big 12 anymore um but so that i don't have and now that sonny dykes is in the big 12 i'm i'm it would have been very confusing um <laughs> but yeah no i mean it, it to me it almost seems like a better hire than cumby but i get why they wanted cumby you know, I get why they hired him first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tim DeRuiter on the defensive side of the ball, you know, my, a good buddy of mine I used to work with is Dat Wynn, who of course is a legend at Texas A&M and, and played for the Cowboys. And he coached it at A&M as a linebackers coach under Tim DeRuiter. And, and, you know, he's telling me he's one of the best football people he's ever known. Um, you know, he runs a, you know, he basically runs your straight three, four, um, and, you know, and, and kind of mixes up his blitzing and, you know, he'll do, he'll run stunts on a four man blitz, four man front, and, and he'll, he will bring extra pressure. So I'm anxious to see sort of how that evolves in the big 12, as we've seen so many teams run that three, three, five, and, and, you know, more specifically run it, run a defense or they're rushing three and dropping eight. So we'll see, um, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say that it's a better staff or it's a better hire. It's a better situation, Texas Tech than TCU. I'm just, I guess I'm, you know, that's the one I'm more, you know, drawn to, but that's not to take anything away from TCU. I, I clearly SMU has done a fantastic job and they're bringing that staff over on offense. So this should be a far cry from what they've been on offense at TCU. I mean, for TCU, you you did exactly what I, I thought that Sonny Dyke should do. You brought over the offensive coaching staff, which is what where you had success at SMU. You brought Rashad Samples. That's good. That guy is the best recruiter in the state of Texas, and now he's in a Power 5 program. And TCU is already re- the third-best recruiting school in the Big 12. Like, I I do think TCU can take it up a notch from that in large part because of him. Like, I don't think people understand, like, how big a deal he is. And Dykes is not only able to keep him at SNU, but to bring him to TCU with him and, and at least have him for a bit. Um, that's a guy who's going to get a head coaching job in, in the state of Texas somewhere. But I... I I said you need to match that with a different DC than what you had. And I think getting Gillespie out of Tulsa was a, was a fantastic hire. I mean, he's done a very good job. That defense has shown improvement. I know it took a dip this year, but you don't lose a guy like Zayvon Collins at Tulsa and not see a dip defensively. Like, oh, and also have your DB coach and all of your defensive like cornerbacks transfer out to go to Missouri at the same time and not see a dip. But I mean, I think the job that he has done at Tulsa, Tulsa's won games the last two years because they've had Gillespie as DC. That's that is the reality of the situation for Tulsa. They are bowling this year because their defense has been good. That's it. It ain't anything to do with the offense the last two years because that's been putrid. So yeah, I, no, it's a great point. I mean, look at the like defensive players that that Tulsa's had over the years. I mean, even Zayvon Collins. I mean, what was he? Was he a two star recruit? You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, just some like low, high two, low three defensive like kid out of I don't remember Oklahoma. So I mean, you turn that kid into a what was he a second round pick first round pick Late first round first pick to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he, the development of, and, and if, by the way, if you get first round picks at Tulsa or any draft pick from Tulsa, that's incredible development. That's gone into that player getting to that spot because it doesn't just happen. Um, and they've had multiple players 
that have been drafted uh, from Tulsa's defense over the years. Some, I, I, you know, some of them escape me, but I just remember multiple players getting from Tulsa being drafted over the years. And I think that speaks to level of defense uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I'm with you. It's, it's hard to judge. I, the Texas tech staff and the Joey McGuire hire give me really strong Sam Pittman vibes. If you're in a guy who's a CEO style, who's going to, who's not going to cost you a lot of money, but who's going to spend on staff and bring in a really an, an experienced and talented defensive coordinator, bring in a an OC who wants to run a fun style of offense. You bring in a staff that understands and knows how to recruit. Like I, it gives me very Sam, strong Sam Pittman vibes. Like that's what I get for Texas Tech. And if you, I, I said that on Twitter, and I got Texas Tech fans like, I mean, people wanted to make jokes about it. I was like, do do you understand how happy Texas Tech fans would be if they're like, hey, year two, you're going to go eight and four and knock off Texas, and you're going to be right. You in a in a nice bowl game like why are we like, who's making fun of that like that's for Texas Tech right. that's that's what are we that would be amazing right if they just want to make bowl games on a consistent basis if they could be the the like think about it this way if Arkansas was at one point the second best team in the West this year you could argue they were the third best team in the SEC West like at worst of the fourth in the West of the SEC like it's that close like they barely lost to Ole Miss they beat A and M like. That was a team that was competitive and even all their losses except to Georgia, but nobody was competitive against Georgia until Alabama beat them in the SEC title game. Like right. the the comp here is like they could be at worst like the develop into a really good team in the Big Twelve if this staff works the way that it looks like it could work if it all comes together. Now again, this is my whole point. My point with this is if if Joy McGuire fails at Texas Tech. I don't think it's going to be because of the staff he put together. Yep. Yep. I mean, I think what it comes down to is, you know, it, if any, if these guys fail, it'll be because of recruiting, you know, at the end of the day, like all of the coaches that have been assembled for these programs, you know, have skins in the wall. They've been successful. It, it comes down to the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. I don't have a good segue, so let's just do this. Gridiron Metal. Uh, look, folks, Christmas is almost here. Like it, We're in December, and I keep saying like it's almost here, but it's almost here. And if you want to get things from Homeville Apparel and things from Gridiron Metal to have under the tree on Christmas Day, you need to place your orders now. This stuff takes some time, okay? And Gridiron Custom cuts their stuff. And if you have a grill that you can't find on their site, you can put the measurements in. They will custom cut your grill or griddle for you. If you want that done, you need to get it done. So you need to go to Gridiron Metal, G-R-I-D-I-R-O-N Metal.com. Use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Uh, here we go. I just pulled up the website. You know what it says? Christmas cutoff currently December 13th. If you want it guaranteed in time for Christmas, you need to get your order in by December 13th. Stuff takes time, guys. Don't be the person who's like, well, it's the 20th. There's five days until Christmas. You're not running down to Walgreens down the street. If you want to order something and have it delivered to your house, December 13th, okay? There's no shipping costs right now from Gridiron, which is awesome. Along with the grill grates and the griddles, they've got some great home decor like uh, flower planters. Uh, they've got bookends. They've got some really cool um, cups. Like, Go check it out. They've got every Big 12 school that's on there. It's amazing stuff. It's super cool. I'm really hoping that there's a griddle uh, for Oklahoma State on my uh, on my grill come December 26th. So go to Gridiron Metal, 
promo code 1012, 15% off your first order, and get your order in by December 13th if you want it in time for Christmas. All right. Um, okay. All right, we'll do this. We're running a little bit on time here, so let's do this. Um, Oklahoma State lots defensive coordinator Jim Knowles to Ohio State on Tuesday. Um, let me set the obnoxious OSU fans who I got into it with on Twitter aside for a moment because, folks, um, OSU is not spending $2 million on a defensive coordinator. They do not have the money to spend $2 million on a defensive coordinator. Yes, I have said it would be really wise of Mike Gundy to give back some of that money, and I have real questions as to whether or not Oklahoma State can actually uh, afford to succeed in the new college football if you pay a head coach $4.5 million a year. But that is a topic for another day. The point here is this. I love to click on all the articles that try and give you ideas of who the next defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State will be. I'm fine with clickbait. I understand. You got to do your work. It's cool. Get those names out there. If the name of the next defensive coordinator is on one of those lists, it's not because that person was that smart. It's because they're a really good guesser. Because (laughs) no one, and I mean absolutely nobody, had Jim Knowles as an option for Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator when he was hired four years ago. Nobody knew who Mike Yersich was when Mike Gundy hired him away from Shippensburg, Pennsylvania as the offensive coordinator like a decade ago, okay? So, understand this. Who knows who the hell Oklahoma State's next defensive coordinator is going to be? This is arguably the most important hire of Mike Gundy's tenure in Stillwater. And yes, that includes more than even Jim Knowles because we didn't know what to expect from that. Yes, even more than Dana Holgerson when he got to Stillwater because I think... Gundy is at a point in his career where if he does not get this right, because he is so hellbent on continuity of coaching staff, whether that's to his benefit or detriment, that's what he likes, so that's what you get. I don't think he wants to do a massive overturn on the staff, so he wants to bring in a new D.C. I don't think you can go through the same process you did with Knowles and start from scratch again with a whole new defensive scheme. You're going to have to try and keep things flowing as close to a poss- as you can as possible. I think for Gundy's tenure to continue more than just a few more years and not go the way of Gary Patterson at TCU, Gundy's going to have to make sure he nails this higher. Well said. Um, Do you think, number one, should he also be looking for a new offensive coordinator? (laughs) I'm only not exactly kidding. No, I don't know. Um, I know Casey Dunn is the best recruiter they have on the offensive side of the ball by a very, very large amount, and that is both a compliment to Casey Dunn and a knock on the rest of the offensive coaching staff. I'm not going to get into my offensive coaching staff rant here on the podcast because I have to try and stay somewhat unbiased and not sound like a crazy fan on Twitter who's saying things that don't make sense. Oklahoma's athletic department budget is significantly higher than Oklahoma State, you dolts. Um, and yes, Water pours, is wet. Yes, pores. Um there is a $2 million. I'm not getting into it. Um, Yeah. Yes. Um, I do think he made Casey Dunn made progress from year one to year two. I do think he did. Um, Run a quarterback sneak for the love of God. Or don't wait to go to the perimeter until it's your very last play and your very last option to do so. Get under Um, center and run a quarterback sneak for the love of God. Put the biggest guys you possibly have instead of trying to like, well, if we don't put the big, if we put the big guys, they're going to know what we're going to do. They know what you're going to do anyways. Right, um, <laughs> right. Newsflash. They knew you were going to run between the tackles anyways. <laughs> here's the problem. I don't think Gundy has the timeline 
that's going to allow Dunn to continue the progress at the rate that he has as an offensive coordinator if Gundy wants to remain the head coach at Oklahoma State. Hmm. That's fair. And look, I'm not suggesting they should fire Casey Dunn, um, but I don't think that the offensive struggles this year are entirely divorced from Casey Dunn. Um, no. And so I, if I'm Gundy, I mean, I think a big part of what I'm doing this offseason is to figure out what went wrong and fix it with my offensive coordinator. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you're on six plays from the one-yard line and don't get in. I mean, Baylor's defense is great, but that's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your defensive coordinator question, so until he's hired, Gary Patterson is an intriguing option oh, for me. Please, no. No, 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 no. Gary Patterson. No guy that's familiar with the big 12 can coach defense. Doesn't it's way too way completely different scheme. And I I think OSU has built this defense. I don't think that Jim Knowles was just the DC. I think he was the architect of what the defensive roster and scheme was. I think this roster was built to run this scheme to do a different stuff. Gary's going to want to do what Gary knows. I think that would require too much turnover on the roster, which means you've got to go through at least a two-year rebuild on the defensive side well, of the I, roster. I agree with that. I guess I'm saying his name simply because of the thought of conforming to what works yeah. and what clearly works with the personnel that they have. Um, you know, and even Jim Knowles changed in terms of you know his schematics of what he was at Duke. And what he became at Oklahoma State, you know that that even shifted a bit as he bought more into. The I don't three trust five. Gary to change because he didn't do it his entire time at TCU. Why that, would that's, he do it now? And and by the way, he'll have he should have options to where like he doesn't have to accept a job where they're going to make him change. Yeah. Um. It would seem like the best hire would be an internal hire. I just don't know that they have any coach on their defensive staff that would be good enough or ready to call a defense. Um, but I agree with you twofold. Number one, like if you haven't heard of the hire, if you haven't heard of the person they're hiring, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Um, Mike Gundy has a pretty good track record of hiring coaches and coordinators. So you sort of have to judge based on that. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think Jim Knowles wanted something that Oklahoma State couldn't offer. It wasn't just money. Right. No, it wasn't just the pay. I think it's also the opportunity to coach at a place like Ohio State with the talent that they have and the opportunity to actually challenge for national I'm, I'm saying this, I'm serious. If Ohio State let, does to Jim Knowles what Gundy did, which was go run your defense, we're going to leave you alone, and lets him do things his way with the talent they have at Ohio State and they're able to, to gather, Ohio State will win a national championship. That's how good and smart I think he is as a defensive coordinator. It might take two years. He's going to have to get some things back. I don't think it's year one, but I think they win a national championship in large part of because of what Jim Knowles is able to do defensively. Yeah. I mean, look, he didn't win the Broyles Award this year. I think that's a joke. I think he should have. Um, hey, if you can make Michigan look competent on offense, I mean, you've probably done a pretty good job. What's funny is they're not. I mean, they're not. They're just they're a really good running team. No, it, it <laughs> Yeah, uh, but no, no, no shot at Gaddis, but like Grimes 
deserved. If you're going to go with an offensive coordinator, Grimes deserved it more than than Gaddis did. But whatever. But I just I just think like the spirit of the Broyles Award is baked into what Jim Knowles did. Mm-hmm. When you think about the growth of that roster over the course of multiple years to the culmination of a dominant defense. Like that's the spirit of that award, you know? So, I mean, yeah. it, he's the bros. In my opinion, Jim Knowles is the bros award winner, even though that's not factually accurate because he took a group of guys and molded them into the defense that they became over the, over multiple seasons. And it was a slow build, but you look at what happened last year, there was a, a huge major sea change for this roster last year, for this team last year, in terms of like they were, they became a defensive oriented football team. And um, no, and, and so I, it's going to be hard to, for them to duplicate their success. Obviously they're going to lose some people too. They're not, not everybody will be back, but they will have a good portion of that group back and, you know, we'll see, but um there, there are going to be heightened expectations for this next DC. And I think to your echo, your point that makes the hire even more important for, for Gundy. Agreed. All right. I know we got to get you out of here. You got a radio hit and I got to go do some actual paid work. So uh, everybody do yourself a huge favor. Uh, if you have serious XM radio, unlike myself, sorry, Ari, I just, you know, we talked yeah, about Don't this. be like my buddy, Phil. Okay. Don't be like me. Get a don't serious XM get description. Uh, channel 375. Uh, you can hit, check out Big 12 Radio every day. You'll hear Ari. Uh, you can also follow him on Twitter at Ari Sports, A-R-I-S-P-O-R-T-S. Uh, Ari used to have a whiskey podcast. He doesn't anymore. And at some point, I'm going to get him to explain to me what happened there. But uh, <laughs> Ari, man, it is always an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And I appreciate your time, man. It's because I'm doing too many things, buddy. That's why. But no, I appreciate you. Um Thanks for having me. Thanks for what you do. Um, you, you guys are killing it. So keep doing it. Keep up the great work. Thanks, man. Podcast Network.